You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Raja coming to you on Tuesday, the... What the hell date is it anyways? See, I'm supposed to prep for this, but I didn't. It's the 13th. 13th of May. There you go. And you may be wondering why I'm actually doing this episode, seeing as that it's uh, 168. It's not uh, 170, which I'm going to do as well. You can't have that one <laughs> to make up for this, Vince. But it's because a little while ago I found a independent comic that I really am digging a lot. And I actually found it by way of an art competition that the gentleman was in and so then my son and i started looking at the wealth of videos that he has on youtube and you get to know the character and you get to know all kinds of tips and everything for for artists which both my my son and i enjoy doing digital art and so then we from there we transitioned over to the comic and i thought god damn we got to get this guy on the show so with that said keenan lafferty works on the comic emma now, like I said, we're, I'll put all the links in the, the show notes. This is an independently created comic book, and it comes out fully digital online. Now, on top of that, it's actually free as well. You can help support him, but you can also just read it, and it is well worth reading. So, Keenan, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Now, actually, before we start with your stuff... There was a couple of news items that came out today that I know Vince was joking about on Twitter that have got a whole bunch of people in a tizzy. Now, first of all, we I know we haven't been talking about DC stuff lately, but we have to mention the Batman costume. So we got the picture. I don't know if you caught this on Twitter, uh, Keenan. Uh, I did not. I okay. should probably check that out. They, they released the picture of Ben Affleck in the... The uh, the new costume design, and and the fat bat logo. <laughs> what do you think of it, Vince? I like the overall uh, concept of the costume and the fact that it looks like a costume instead of armor. Yeah, like like we've seen in the last several movies. Like I like the larger logo, but the, the thing is, with it being a black and white picture, it just looks it. It was super dark. Like there, there are so many sites running it through like fifteen different Photoshop filters so that you can actually see what you're looking at. And once you dig down through the layers uh, of visual information, you can see there's some cool design elements in there. And I like the big bat. I'm just worried. Like I don't want it to be black on black, like it looks like in it the looks official like picture. Black on gray. There's actually a, a really good. Somebody put up a, a nice high res picture of it that I've actually got on my screen right now. It's it's funny because what it made me think of immediately was how everybody joked around when the new Fifty Two costumes came out, and there was wow. even the joke with the little Justice League where they were talking about you know putting just put lines. Oh, there's lines on the costume. All over the yeah. This is. It looks like it's made of cheesecloth <laughs> all you're seeing are these lines throughout all of it and and that's one of the things that i looked at and thought well that just looks ridiculous and the thing too is that when you're looking at it and this is not to overanalyze i could give a rat's ass but when you're looking at it they make it look like because you got the folds in the fabric as if it's the spandex type costume that we got with, you know, early Batman stuff, but there's no way in hell it is because I mean, Christ, look at the abs there and everything. <laughs> there's plating under there. Don't try to pretend this is Affleck. Unless he's on that Hemsworth, uh, workout routine. <laughs> really? And the, but in all honesty, that Batman logo just looks comical. In my opinion, it, it doesn't look cool or anything. It, it looks comical. And in fact, I'll go you one further. If that was, if it wasn't for how iconic the bat logo is, if you were looking at that, there's no way in hell you would guess that's a bat. True, true. So I don't know. Did you finally find it, Keenan? Uh, I have not yet. You is it on your try. comic book informer Twitter? No, no, I didn't put it. Oh no, I didn't. I uh, don't worry about it. Let's just skip ahead. There was also All one right. other piece of news that I thought of you immediately, Vince, <laughs> and I thought I'm going to force him to watch this movie. For Popcorn Ronin. 
if we're still doing podcasts in four and a half years, <laughs> would you have sure said that four years ago? <laughs> Jesus, we've been doing it for more than four years already. <laughs> so it's highly likely we probably will be. And if we are, <laughs> you're watching it. So yeah, that's the Gambit movie. So well, who's it in it again? Yes, they, they have cast Channing Tatum as Gambit. <laughs> Every, everybody who listens knows Gambit is far from my favorite character. I could completely live without him and be okay. Channing Tatum, like he's grown on me over the last couple of years with you know Twenty One Jump Street. I actually liked him in a uh, White House Down, but, but Gambit, Gambit, I I don't know. And they're even saying like they're they're making this announcement for a movie coming out in twenty eighteen. <laughs> There's another X Men movie in between that he's not in. <laughs> This is like Fox News when they're talking about the who's going to be president for 2020 and stuff. <laughs> like a little too far ahead, guys. Uh, okay, so let's start talking about um, Keenan's work here. And the 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 thing to to immediately point out is, and then again, I'm going to put a lot of links in the show notes for all of the stuff that you do. But you have got a lot of videos on YouTube that you've been working on for quite a while. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but I'm saying that because when, if you start back from the beginning of them, which is what my son did, my son and I should say Mm -hmm. did, you really get to, you know, find out more about you and your experiences. And you've had quite a few and your work does show your proficiency in terms of, like how much work you put into it and how accurate it is and and different things like that. So Mm -hmm. having gone back and seen those, it was kind of, it it was, it was fun to, to get to know a little bit more about you and you certainly don't hide anything when you're doing your videos either. Uh, So let's kind of roll back the clock here for people who have not watched them and start talking about your artistic training. Now I know from watching the videos, you're self-taught and you didn't go to school, yeah. um, but you still know a great deal about visual arts still. Like how do you quote unquote school yourself? Um, well, I actually use that to my advantage a lot when I'm teaching people because so many people come up to me all the time and they say, oh man, well, I wanted to be an artist, but I don't have the money or I can't go to the school that my friend's going to. And they're, you know, they're going to this prestigious, you know, Cal arts was where I wanted to go. Cause I was living in California at the time. But, um, I I just studied, I just looked around at like what the artists that I liked were doing, and then I just said, hey, this guy's doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that, and then I would just basically copy people, and then eventually I just started molding together my own style from just stuff that I liked from everybody else. Right. And back then, what was the the goal? Was it working in the gaming industry or in comic books or animated films, or what was it that you wanted to do? Originally, what I wanted to do was, I, I did want to work in video games. Ever since I saw the work of Samwise Didier, he works for Blizzard. Blizzard He's the yeah. art director there. And I saw his work, and I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this. Like, I want to do this really badly. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting him at the first annual BlizzCon. I won tickets to go through their art contest. And um, I went up to him. I was like 16 years old, and I walked up to him. And I showed him my portfolio, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think, Samwise? One day I'm going to be doing what you're doing." And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, kid, whatever, <laughs> you know." But actually, he was he was really nice to me, and he gave me some good advice. And I knew from that point that I wanted to work in video games. Hmm. Okay, we're going to actually get into your work in video games in a bit. Let's talk about the sure. videos again, because I do want people yeah. to check those out. You, like, you, you seem to have found a nice niche there and you're really enjoying them. <laughs> again, yeah. when we watch them, it seems like you're having so much fun. Plus you're very consistent, which is something that, you know, a lot of artists have mean well, and some of them even enjoyed. It's just, they don't have the time mm. or mm-hmm. it just kind of isn't as important as other things. And you were really putting out work on a consistent basis. And I have to say, we've learned a hell of a lot of tricks just from watching it. So, I mean, thanks for that. <laughs> oh yeah, you're welcome. I don't know exactly what tricks you guys are talking about, but if I could be of any assistance, that's, that's well, awesome. You seem to be enjoying it too. Like what is it about it that really draws you in? Um, well, originally when I started the show, I think this is what really keeps me going on it is that when I started the show, I said, okay, 
like I'm doing this for myself. Like, because I was really super shy. I didn't know how to talk to people. I, I just wanted to learn how to speak in front of people, even if it was just in front of a webcam. So I started this show. I was like, hey, I can start shoutcasting art. And I, to, to this day, I still have that mentality. It's like, I'm doing this because I want to do it. I'm doing this for myself and kind of what it's making of me. And if people enjoy it or watch it, you know, that's just icing on the cake. And it seems like people really, I feel like people really understand that. And I think it kind of draws them in a lot more than some of these YouTubers that are like, guys, oh, I quit my job for you. Couldn't you just like send me 20 bucks or, you know, because some people do that and it really, it really turns me off. So I don't want to be that way. Just do it for yourself. Going back to the, uh, the gaming thing, I thought it was pretty cool, especially as you said, I didn't know about the whole uh, Blizzard art contest stuff because I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting that you used to work for Riot Games, you know, one of the yeah. biggest companies out there right now. So what, yeah, what did you do are. for them? Yeah. What did you do for them? Well, I got in like right as they were starting to make a name for themselves, um, which was really good because I just feel like with my level of experience and just at the point that they were at, it was like a perfect like segue right into it. But um, prior to that, I was just illustrating a couple books for a local company back when I was living in Utah. But um, once I started working there, I was their 2D production artist, and I would be in charge of making what they call splash screens that would advertise their upcoming champions. Hmm. Which were freaking awesome, too, because those are some of the ones. <laughs> when I was going through your early videos, I again, it was right around that time as well from as far as we've watched so far where you were not yet working for them. And then you started working for them. And then you started showing some yeah. of the videos of the work that you you did for them. Now, I haven't gone through yeah. all the videos yet. You haven't cut me some slack. There's tons of them. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like 300. There's you know. quite a few. So. I actually don't know what led to that split from Riot. What was it that caused you to leave what you would think is a dream job, or did they just fire your ass for all the porn you were downloading? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, well, what happened was I, I did quit. I did quit. But um, the reason why I did, without having to go too much into it, it's actually really simple, the reason why I quit. I worked there for just over a year, and... You know, I was having so much fun just like illustrating these champions and working in video games and learning from all of these amazing artists that were now my coworkers, like people that I just I, I looked up to, the people that I wanted to become, I was now sitting right next to. And I was like, wow, this is what I worked my entire life to get. Yep. And then after a year, I looked around and then I said the same thing. I was like, I worked my entire life to get here and I'm still not happy. Hmm. Like there's something else that this is not giving me. And so I had to ask myself, what was that? And I think it was that I wanted, I needed to create something. I needed to create something for myself and I needed to draw my own characters and, and uh, not just be drawing other people's characters. That's a huge leap to be, again, leaving, as you were saying, your, your dream job for mm-hmm. pretty much an unknown. That, that takes a lot of balls. Yeah, well, I, the nice thing is, is that I did leave on good terms. I told him, hey, look, I'm just, I mean, I'm young, I'm single, I'm just, now's the time to do some crazy stuff, right? Now's the time to make a comic. So I said I was going to quit, and I was speaking with our director. He's like, well, hey, if you ever want to come back, you know, there's going to be a spot waiting for you, which I thought was really nice of him. That's great. So we left on good terms, but deep down on the inside, I was like, I I didn't want to go back because I had a feeling that I was going to enjoy what I was doing so much that, you know, just, I, I couldn't be paid enough to walk away from it so and and so far it seems like that's been the case it really doesn't especially living out here in utah it doesn't cost that much to get an apartment feed yourself and take care of yourself so it's not bad so was emma the first thing you really wanted to create once you broke out on your own uh there was actually another comic that i had in mind It, it was called shade it was it was a really cheesy comic about a girl who just like hunts demons right um, but I said, Hey, let's, let's do this. Let's have Emma be the Guinea pig comic. And let's make all of our mistakes here. Let's make all the mistakes here. So that way when we get to shade, then we'll have a really good comic. But after just a little bit of development and everything that Emma's turned into so far, it's like, you know, miles ahead of everything that shade was. So, so, and what made you decide to step into the very crowded zombie genre? I don't know. I, I knew that it was overcrowded, but I knew that I could do something a little bit different because my vision for Emma was I wanted to sort of widen 
the demographic, the age demographic, and push it a little bit to the younger side, you know, because, you know, Walking Dead and all these other zombie comics handle the the mature audiences, gruesome violence stuff really well. And I wanted kids to be able to sort of have a a comic too, or like a younger audience, you know, be able to have their zombie comic too. And that's kind of the comic that I like. I I like more. (laughs) Nothing like decapitation for those kids. (laughs) They need more of that in their diet. Slicing it right in half. Yeah. Well, I looked at, I looked at stuff like Samurai Jack and I was like, this guy is literally like, Cut, decapitating these robots and slicing their heads in half and then like you know you can see like all the insides of the head and the oil spilling out you know the blood you know robot blood so i was like okay if samurai jack can do this i can do something kind of like that <laughs> so i decided to give the zombies like purple blood and stuff like that i feel like it really kind of takes a little bit of the edge off but i don't know maybe you guys can tell me otherwise but well no actually you're right it does and it's something that i've thought about from from reading it because i raised four kids and now have a young granddaughter Mm -hmm. and it is something that I actually would be, you know, maybe my daughter wouldn't be, but I'd be all right showing this (laughs) to my granddaughter when she's a little bit older because it is so far removed from something that is, you know, anatomically correct that you can see this is human kind of thing. You can tell it's a very warped, kind of zombie look to it and it works it distances it from regular old violence yeah and i wanted to do that because the weirdest thing i don't know if i'm just weird thinking this but i when i look at comics and i see like red blood with cartoon characters it just looks really disturbing to me so i just did it for my own taste too well you know if you have samurai jack as a starting point it can't end up bad at all yeah yeah So one of the cool things that I really enjoyed reading through Emma is her, let's just say, interesting personality and the way she (laughs) sees the world, if you will. How did that come about? That all started way in the beginning. Like, that was a new, like, oh, man, the original story for Emma, like, it was so bad. It was so just boring. It was going to be like, okay, there's this little girl and she's going to be wandering around and fighting zombies, but... Very quickly, we realized, okay, that would be interesting for maybe like five pages. So we needed to like introduce something else. And we thought of, hey, well, if it was really like this little girl, right? And now she's like forced to grow up in this apocalyptic setting. You know, she would have to basically grow up so fast and she would have to just leave the little girl that could have been behind. So that's kind of what where her split personality comes in. Uh, when she sees the world as, you know, not crawling with zombies it's sort of like that repressed little girl that that never was trying to come through the way i look at it as well is that it was actually a very good um, writing tool because what you've done is you made it so that when you are reading this everything that we know as adults would happen during you know, any kind of apocalyptic setting there, the, the mm-hmm. worst is not the zombies. It's what happens to humanity and the violence therein. So yes. by making it where this little girl is no longer seeing or even taking part in that violence because she sees it differently, you yeah. have been able to write yourself out of any jam that would otherwise exist that would grind the 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 comic to a, a halt or make it that something that kids could not read so the realism right. is still there it's just she's actually not seeing it for what it is so mm-hmm. as a writing tool that's that was i saw that and it was like kudos to you 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 did a fantastic job there <laughs> yeah it's actually really really fun being able to just i don't know it, i i hope i mean you said it yourself it's like there's so many zombie comics out there we have to do something differently. And I'm hoping that this, this will be our, our different thing. This is what Emma does differently than everybody else. Yeah. I love the, I, I picked up on it right away. Obviously you do just from the, the art is so phenomenally done that you can see what it is that's, that's happening with her. But I love the, mm-hmm. the, that one split panel and it's the first, you know, quote unquote, concrete evidence that there's actually something wrong with how she sees the world. And that's the one where it's split with her on one side and the perfect world that she sees and then Nico on the Mm -hmm. other side with the bear in the middle. And he's the the reality (laughs) of what's there. And as soon as I saw that, it was like, oh my God, that's just a phenomenal panel. And there's a lot of those throughout. (laughs) I really like that. 
Well, thanks. Yeah, that was actually, I've been working with some other artists and that original idea, the, the panel split was recommended to me, or it was actually basically just drawn for me by an artist by, by the name of Alicia Watley from Australia. She's one of the readers. And just like awesome artists like that, they just come in and they do stuff. Like they just show me stuff. <laughs> and the guy, the website with like the animated Emma in the front, yeah. Like some guy just approached me. He's like, "Hey, I want to help your comic. Uh, I want to make a website for you." And then he just made it. I was like, "Whoa, dang!" Well, a lot and, of people like supporting others yeah. when they are doing something that is following their dreams. So you're gonna uh, get yeah. a lot of that. I was really surprised by that. I'm really yeah. grateful for that. There's there's a lot of techniques that I liked as well, like that too, where um, kind of like when you're seeing the comic starting off and it's all black and white initially for the nightmare flashback sequence. And then from there it goes into color. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things like that that I really, I really like. I appreciate the, the thought that goes in behind it. It's not just tossed on the pages and go from there. There's thought that goes <laughs> yeah. into how it's going to look and what works best. I originally thought, oh, wouldn't that be cool if we open up the comic book in black and white and make everybody think that it's, oh, it's just, you know, another webcomic, black and white. All right, that's cool. You know, but then at the end, we find out it's actually a dream sequence and then she wakes up and it's color. And then people are like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be a color comic. I don't know, but I don't know how well that came across. No, it did. I think people absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I think people appreciated it. Because I definitely had that same vibe through those first couple pages. I was like, okay, you know, black and white zombie comic. I think I've seen this before. But yeah, when, <laughs> you, you, you have, you know, that Dorothy inter- entering Oz moment of, of the color mm. reveal. And it, it really worked oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I've never heard it said that way, but I really like that analogy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to that one. <laughs> you have my permission. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> now, I, I'll admit, I'm not like Roger. I haven't been pouring through your archives quite as much as he has, but I do think it's really cool that you have, you know, your regular stream so that you interact with the fans and then your YouTube, you know, uploads of that. And how, yeah, yeah. like you, you said, you know, that you, you've actually met some people that have helped you out with it, but like, what else yeah. has it really done for Emma? Yeah. Aside from just meeting awesome people that are stepping up and just like doing stuff, like helping out the comic, I just feel like it's, again, it's creating something different because i feel like in this day and age where people like tune into twitch tv and watch people play video games like i just think that people are not only interested in like just the products that are out there now but they want to know who's behind it like what's what's happening when people are creating this what are their thought processes they want to know about the person and i think a lot of web comics out there they just they release the pages and even these phenomenal web comics but uh, me personally it's like i want to know who the artist is. I want to see them talk about their vision. I want to see the time lapse of them putting this together and what they were thinking as they were doing it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Well, it's funny because when I look at your comic strip, which um, is is very different in a good way from a lot of the standard fare, it's funny because I've had this conversation with a, a buddy of mine who illustrated comics and he always talked about how he hated reading certain comics from both DC and Marvel because he could mm-hmm. see how they were rushed for time and yeah. the the comics suffered because of it whereas with you because your schedule is a lot different and it's your own to to set you're really yeah. pouring a lot more work over each panel so yeah. case in point you just released the double page spread for pages 24 and 25 of the third issue and you did that whole commentary video on it which i really enjoyed a lot and what <laughs> awesome. it does is that it allows us to then when we're reading the comic mm-hmm. appreciate so much more the work that went into it because a hell of a lot of work went into that, (laughs) that two page spread and it was, it's absolutely Mm -hmm. insane. And it is fun to get that behind the scenes kind of, of what the artist was thinking about as they're working on it. Yeah. I I feel like it, again, it's something that I appreciate when artists do. I I love hearing about art processes and I love seeing it come together. And that's something that I wanted to offer out and i am really glad that you brought up that thing about seeing like rushed panels you can tell people were like rushed for time in some of these professional comics yeah and it really just it bothers me because i'm like you know this is not what comics is supposed to be for me you know comics is supposed to be telling a story and not i don't know it's just kind of a bummer how certain things get compromised 
you know, in the professional world. It's just kind of a sad truth, but that's just the way it is sometimes. So, yeah. Well, it's from, again, from watching the videos, especially it's, I, I can see the respect that you have and the insane amount of effort that you put into every panel to the point of like your discussions on the body language, the facial expressions, how those mm-hmm. have to be right and not just people staring off in the distance. You spend more time <laughs> on a background to denote an emotion than mm-hmm. most people do on, you know, a, a, a full page. Like it's <laughs> just you're, you're taking the time to make sure that the reading experience and the viewing experience, you get so much more because it's there's so much more written between the lines essentially, but here drawn between mm-hmm. the lines. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm really glad you brought that up and I'm glad that what I'm trying to get across is getting across Roger. Thank you for noticing that. But um, yeah, so many times, I mean, cause I've seen the good and I've seen the bad. I've seen things that, you know, these people are supposed to be talking together in this, you know, so-called professional comic, but they're like looking at the wall. They're like staring off into the distance. And but then I've looked at these other, like other web comics done by one artist and just the expressions are done so well. And uh, the body language just says so much. It just complements exactly what the character is saying. And I really, another thing that I wanted to do with this comic is I wanted it to be highly visual. Because I've seen a lot of comics where there's a lot of reading. And I really think that comics are really supposed to be about the art. You know, telling a story and, and giving feeling to the reader through the art. As opposed to, you know, hey, let's read this novel with some, you know, kind of some background art you know thrown in behind it (laughs) and it shows it shows when you're you're looking at it again when it's something that vince and i have talked about a lot over the years uh, on various comics where when you find an artist that has a good grasp of not just the art but the panel layout and how important Mm -hmm. that is to the flow of a comic book because it can break it apart if it's not done properly and so i've noticed with a lot of your pages where it's extremely stylish in how it's done. Um, case in point, when you're you first start reading it, and the credits are in amongst the the panel in a way that would fit in a movie, say, and yeah. something as simple as that blew me away. It was like a, like the guys got style. This is whether it was you or one of the guys you work with. It was just something that simple has a profound impact on the flow of mm. the story. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, yeah, I was excited about doing that, and I stopped doing that. I probably should have kept doing that with the credits, like putting them in the background, because I agree, they did look really good in issue one. And uh, I just felt like maybe maybe, maybe doing it in every issue would kind of take away from the specialness of the first one. I don't know. I don't but, think so, actually. I, 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 yeah? It was slick as hell, and I, yeah, I thought right. it really but, worked well. And again, it was very much that it felt like a... A, a film and i love awesome. that translation of that into you know because you're reading a comic book and it just it, it wasn't jarring at all it just fit yeah. and it was slick I, I i loved it i i also love seeing the collaborative effort like i mean you mentioned some other people but in terms of the videos when when we're watching and you're talking the who was it that you were talking with for the last double page spread uh that was my friend colton yeah. he's been helping me He's like the editor, director. He's really, really good with dialogue. So he's a guy that comes in uh, towards the end, and I'm like, hey, dude, like, I have a general idea of what these characters are going to be saying. But then he'll come in, and then he says, oh, they would say it like this. And he's just really good at just like throwing out so many different ideas. And then I just like, that's the one. And then <laughs> you know, just put it right in. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I can't do that, but he, he's like really gifted with that. Well, you were talking about some of the other guys, too, that help with the panel layouts for some of the pages that you had. Again, it seems to be very much a collaborative effort where you're working with a lot of people and taking their input. Yeah, yeah. It's actually been a lot of fun just doing that. I've had a couple of line artists step in and kind of help me out, too. Really, I've just been trying to figure out exactly what I want with the line art and just like the quality and the style has actually changed a little bit from the beginning, which... I didn't want it to happen, but I think it's just inevitable. Like you just yeah. get better at it and you figure out little things that you want to change. But I'm actually planning on going back once we finish issue three, uh, the next 10 pages, I'm going to be going back into issue one and I'm going to be refining some of the characters' faces, uh, cleaning up some of the pages, adding some panels just to clarify some of the things that 
I feel could have been done better. In terms of business size, what kind of uh, release schedule are you hoping to keep up? And what's the the series plan run? Is this going to be like an ongoing thing or is this more of a mini series that you're thinking about right now? The plan is I want to be releasing once every week. Every Monday, I'd like to have a new page out. We've been going probably about every like week and a half, usually every release. But the nice thing is, is that I, I like the fact that I don't necessarily have to commit to an exact day. Like the way that I do it is like, hey, you just read that page, the next one will release, and then I just pick a date. You know, depending on how busy my freelance work is or whatever else I got going on, I can give myself a little bit of time. But I think if I really want to get serious with this, you know, it's always good to just be super consistent. Like people really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. And as far as where the comic's going to end, like the, the length of the comic, I really want to lay down a definite end for it. Um, and I want it to run, like if I were to estimate, it'd probably go for maybe about 30 issues, 30, 40 issues. So, That's yeah. long. That's, that's, about it. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Especially if you're on a schedule where you're releasing one a week, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to take you quite a while to put all of that out. Yeah, it's going to take a little while, but I know now that like I could do comics for the rest of my life and I would be happy. Good, good. Have you considered working with others to create other series in that same world, like a mini series flashback for Nico's or something along those lines, which FYI, I would write the shit out of that. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. There's actually another artist by the name of Ozzy Burke. He's actually taking the he's kind of basically doing just that. He's doing like a fan comic or a fan series of i think it's nico and emma when they're older oh cool. so right now they're probably in like their early teens he's doing one when they're like later like 18 19 years old and like what's happening then but i really like his style and he, he's again these artists they just got such good ideas i'm like hey would you mind if i just like steal that and put that in the comic <laughs> i'll be sure to credit you and uh and some you know uh, story development or whatever but yeah I'm just really impressed with the people that step up and offer their skills. And really, I'm, I don't know, I'm just really thankful for it. And I'm really surprised. Are there any little spoilers you want to give for what's coming up right now for, uh, for Emma? Small spoilers hmm, that I can give away. Yes. I will say that for those of you, uh, there's people that have been wanting to know what happened with Buttons, the dog, where it ended yes. up being dead. <laughs> Like, are we ever going to see Buttons again? Or does Emma, like, worry about Buttons since that's, like, her dog or whatever? And I'll tell people that, yeah, Buttons will be making another appearance soon. Awesome. (laughs) As a flashback or (laughs) is he going to be kicking around? Because you have that picture that you made where he's sitting on the little little wagon. And I thought that was awesome. I think that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> especially because we know what it is. It's like a zombie corpse dog thing yeah. <laughs> on a little red wagon. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was probably one of the better, that's one of my favorite promo arts. I love doing promo art. As funny as it sounds like I love doing fan art of like my own comic. I know that probably sounds really conceited, but it's like, no, it's so no. fun. No, you get to love kind drawing. of play with the characters and put them in different yeah. circumstances that are fun. Yeah. It really is a lot of fun. Tell us how you're trying to get some support via Pantheon and any other future plans you have. Uh, Pantheon? Oh, you mean Patreon? Oh, pa- sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was close. Pantheon is, <laughs> he's, he's from League of Legends. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's from the past. <laughs> okay, see, that's, you can't pin that one on me because I don't even play League of Legends, so I wouldn't oh, okay. have known that. Okay. It's okay. Oh, okay, so uh, Patreon is basically just to make it sweet and short. It's just like a thing for people. The comic is completely free, and I was set to do this thing whether anybody gave me a dime or not. But the people that are stepping up and say, hey, we want to support you doing this, Patreon is basically there for people to subscribe monthly to it. And you know, you can pledge as little as a dollar. And what's really cool is every month, you know, people I send stuff out to people. They get, you know, prints, they get stickers, they get buttons and just cool merch every month. And it's a really cool way to just kind of gauge a consistent amount of money that can actually come in from doing this. And that really helps out on the business side because, you know, it definitely it pays some of the bills. And it's like, okay, I got this much left over. I'll take this much freelance for this month. And then, you know, you're set to go. But uh, other than that, 
I've just opened up the new store because the old store was so bad on the on the site. It was really not clear, but I just opened that up and we're selling prints through there as well as doing conventions. That's the other thing that I do to help the business end. And have you considered any other forms of distribution for Emma, like Comixology or even a print run? Yeah, I actually have been wanting to do that. I met somebody back at the last convention I did was WonderCon in Anaheim. And I talked to somebody about doing Comixology and just how it works. And apparently the submission process is really easy. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. On the iPad, you can kind of swipe through the panels and just kind of directs you through it. Yep. They actually do that themselves. Like it's just kind of like a service that they offer. They put it out, and I guess you know they take a cut whenever it gets sold. But you know you don't have to pay any extra for it. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I'm definitely considering doing that. So consider this your your big chance to sell our audience. Now we've been talking a lot about it, but it, it, sometimes you have to concentrate on getting people actually over to the website. So what are you doing to make Emma stand out, and why should anybody listening to this episode go read it? It's really just for people that like zombie comics, but they want something a little bit different. If they like sort of like a cartoon style, if they, I don't know, it's just, I really like to think of it as kind of taking, taking a step back to like what you loved about your childhood, like watching those Saturday morning cartoons. Cause I see Emma as being something like that. Uh, eventually I want to do like a animated series, but it's a completely free comic. I'm making it for people to enjoy. I'm doing it for myself, but you know, I don't know. The reason I'm doing it for myself is because that way I have no excuse to quit. So basically people that are reading it, you can be, you can rest assured that it's not going to stop until it's friggin' done. Well, that is awesome. And yeah, and you can get cool stuff. So yeah, go check it out. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time for, for us and to, to let our listeners know about it. Like I said, I'm going to be making sure to link everything in the show notes so folks can head over to the sites as well, support you, read everything, wish you the very best with this series. Are you going to stick around for what we're reading or are you going to take off? I am probably going to get going. All right. That's cool with you guys. That is perfect. That's not a problem at all. Again, thank you very much for sticking around and and keep it up because we are seriously digging this work. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Roger. Thanks, Vince. Take care. Yep. All right, so like I said, folks, we are going to be putting all of the links in the show notes. I encourage everyone to make a point of stopping by the site, checking it out. Like I said, he's 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 putting everything out for free for everybody to read, and it is super easy to support him as well. And you are getting little freebies every once in a while from him. It's a lot of fun. And also the videos, if you are someone who is uh, at all interested in whether it's regular art or digital art especially, his videos, tutorials, are, are actually really, really quite good. My son and I have been following him. He shows you a lot. Some of them are more time-lapse, but then you get a lot of them where it's you're watching him do the work, and he's running you through everything and explaining it, and he also does live streams as well. So there's a ton of information there, and he is, like you just saw, a really nice guy. He's He jokes around while he's on the camera, so I urge everyone, check it out. Help support this guy. Yeah, just hearing to him, hearing him talk, and how passionate he is about the project. Yes, I'm really glad we had him on because this is absolutely the kind of thing I know we both want to see more of. Yeah, well, anyone who's willing to let go of a dream job at Riot, working on League of Legends splash screens for champions to work on a comic, you know that they are passionate about this project. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's move into what we're reading. Have you read X Men No More Humans yet? I have not. It's sitting there. <laughs> okay. I, will... I, I I was eagerly anticipating it. Okay. You know what? I'm actually going to wait then because okay. it's massive. It's quite big. It's a, there's a lot to it and I've got some pretty strong opinions about it. So I'm thinking this might wind up being a point one episode when we do discuss it. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll hold off then. I'll have try you... to knock it out this week then. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Did you read uh, Cyclops number one? Didn't have a chance to check that one out yet either. Well, you know what a fan of Cyclops I am. (laughs) So keep that in mind when I say it actually was good. And of course, it's Rucka who wrote it, which, I mean, we love him. So that helps. But it's also that it's, well, case in point, it's well-written. The art is quite good. And it 
kind of is taking off from the point where he's with his old man. The younger Scott is hey, maybe see maybe that's why I like it. It's not douchebag Scott from the from present time. It's <laughs> it's young Scott that was still a nice kid. So it's him and his old man and the crew there and everything. I actually like I said I enjoyed it. I would keep reading this. Yeah, there's actually a cool callback to that in uh, the latest all new X Men, where you could tell old Scott is hurt that young Scott actually yes. gets to spend time with his dad. Yeah, I noticed that as well too, and I thought, yeah, you such a. I don't want to have to look for a bleep. (laughs) But yeah. So yeah, it was actually good. I, like I said, I enjoyed it and I will keep reading it. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1.1. We talked about this. So I'm actually holding back on that because I said it's, it just seems kind of weird to me right now. So you haven't read it yet? No. In all honesty, I would say probably don't even worry about it. I see this is again, one of those where they're going back and adding to the canon. So whereas before, after he, after Ben was shot, well, that was it. He was kind of done being the wrestler and he was doing the super heroics. Well, Mm -hmm. now you find out, no, he had to keep doing the wrestling and the gigs and the stuff like that to get money, to help get money for May and himself. So, Again, it's adding and it's changing the existing canon. And there's times when that's all right. There's times when it's, uh, I'm not really okay with it. And this is one where it's like, eh, no, I really wasn't digging it. Yeah, if there's one story in the history of comics that should never be messed with, yeah, it's Peter Parker's origin. Yeah, it's, so yeah, the they, they did a good job with keeping the art very similar to what would have been, or what was, I should say, for those early Spider-Man um, issues. So Ramon Perez did a really good job with that. It's not a style that, you know, I particularly am that fond of anymore, but because it is that flashback to that period, it works perfectly. And I mean, it is obviously good art as well. So, um, and lastly then, Rat Queens number six. Absolutely. <laughs> you read it? Yes. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. It was, this comet makes me so happy all the time. I just, it, we're getting even more on the characters and how different they are and their relationships outside of their little circle as well. A little bit, not too, too much, but a little bit. And then, you can really see the strain on their own relationships with themselves. It, I really dug this a lot. I <laughs> Betty is my new favorite character in she, comics. God. <laughs> she, <laughs> when she gives her a hug on the tree <laughs> branch, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And then the eating the marshmallow or the, uh, the mushroom people. I thought that was freaking hysterical. It's, and see, this is something that I'm, and we talked about, like, this is, you're having, I I don't want to say serious, but for lack of a better word, you know, it's, there's serious moments here where serious business is happening with characters. And then you're seeing this complete silliness. (laughs) where they aren't using their bits anymore <laughs> that fits. It's not out of character. It it doesn't break up the, the comic at all. In fact, it adds to the flow of it. And the, the writing is so freaking brilliant in this comic. It's unbelievable. So that's all that I've got then for this week. What do you got? Well, you see, it's interesting because I figured it would be a nice compliment to our interview with Keenan that I finally, uh, finished off that South by Southwest bundle. Oh, wow. So, yeah, <laughs> all 100 comics. Oh, my God. I, granted, I didn't read all of them cover to cover. I mean, <laughs> a few of them I got a few pages in and just went, yeah, no. But uh, it was actually pretty interesting to see, you know, a lot of self-published creator-owned work and how, you know, we're, we're at de- definitely an, an entry level, if you will, though. Like, you have a lot of really cool ideas 
sometimes the execution is somewhat lacking. Like one thing I noticed a trend in almost all of them is you really appreciate what you can get from a professional quality letterer as far as, you know, word balloons. And that particular flow to the comic was very noticeable in a lot of these uh, smaller publishers. You know, it's funny you should mention that because, again, relating right back to Keenan, that's one of the things that he talks about on one of his commentary videos where he talks about the importance of the text in the balloons to the point of how he wants it shaped in 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 relation to the balloon even. Like all of these things are, are, are things that he actually consciously makes certain are exactly how he wants to see them. So, yeah, it's... Those things are important. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to touch on a few of them, of course, there were tons and tons of different superhero stuff. Uh, one that I really liked was called Henchman. And it's a guy who's out of work and basically gets a job as a supervillain's henchman. But it's the analogy between that life and just your typical draining like office job where they're going through like all the hr procedures of you know basically being you know costumed goon number five it's actually really funny and really creative uh minor acts of heroism it's definitely a cool comic for a younger audience because you're seeing you know these young kids who are just coming into their own and finding out that their parents are superheroes a lot of fun and uh tomorrow jones uh similar in the vein but a little uh older you know, teenager. It's a lot like uh, Invincible, where you know his uh, tomorrow's parents are both well-known superheroes, and she's growing into that lifestyle. But definitely more all ages than Invincible was. <laughs> Another one I really liked was, of course, I'm sure if you looked at it, you went, "Oh yeah, this is a Vince comic of Ar- Armor Rodders." Uh, story setup is pretty traditional, like sci-fi military stuff, but they have giant mechs. And the art was killer in it. So the the story was okay, but really cool art with a lot of giant robots was, yeah, Vince approved. Right. Uh, Heroes of Echo Company. I want to look into more of this because I think it's a really cool concept of having this, you know, futuristic sci-fi, again, setting where they have these special elite soldiers that have basically been given, you know, fancy weapons and genetic modifications and modeled after various know historical heroes you know robin hood and you know samurais and uh, samson hercules that sort of stuff and translating those character archetypes into a futuristic setting but not the characters themselves i thought it was a a pretty cool concept that i I might look more into Hmm. one that i was really blown away by was called relaunch uh what we've seen in a lot of digital comics is you know everybody tries to be fancy with the panel transitions and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And when it doesn't work, you get, you know, the Japan's most dangerous Wolverine thing. But when it does work, you get some of the cool thrill bent stuff that we've seen. And this works so well. Uh, The story setup is you have a character who's stranded on a space station where systems are going awry and she's communicating with the ground control to try and get things together. So you have, you know, the cool panel stuff. But in a lot of like the more high stress situations, one of the panels is constantly focused on the equipment panel and you're seeing things redlining and things short circuiting like in real time as they're going through all the troubleshooting steps. I I actually really, really enjoyed that one. I think it was just like a one shot, though, because they didn't really leave much room to go on. But I really liked that one. Cool. And since I was reading through them alphabetically, buried all the way at the bottom of the list, I was very surprised to see. Eisner nominated Watson and Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did you did you read that one? Yes, I did. I thought it was a pretty interesting twist on the traditional formula of you know putting them in an urban setting and making both of them African American characters. And I, I only read the first issue, but I'm really interested to see what they can do with the Holmes formula within that particular setting. I. I'm not going to speak too much to it because it's been a while since I actually read it because I had it from before that South by Mm. Southwest I'd read it and I liked, I remember liking some of it and I remember some of it I felt actually just didn't work. I don't, I can't remember what it was enough, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, from the first issue, it was a pretty simple story, like not even quite Holmes worthy as far as the mystery is concerned, but I, I'm still curious. Yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm glad I went through all hundred of them because there, there were some lot. gems in there. And so I said even some of the ones I didn't mention at least had some good concepts, and, and it'd be interesting to see you know some of the creators grow as time goes on. Cool. Okay. Is that all you got? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I had actually gone back. I actually read quite a few this week too. But what I did is I got completely caught up on the Cataclysm event from the Ultimates universe because I had missed some issues. So I just <laughs> went back and I reread start to end of everything. And so to be ready for when we're going to be discussing the new stuff that's rebooted. So it was. I don't want to say too much because we'll be discussing it later, but it was much better doing that than having read it a little at a time as it was coming out. Yeah. So anyways, for this week, the new releases on the Marvel side, we've got all new Ghost Rider number three, all new Ultimates number two, all new X-Men number 27. <laughs> Do we see a problem here, Marvel? We got Captain Marvel number three, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number one of four. Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. Fantastic Four number four, Moon Knight number two, Nightcrawler number two, and United States of Murder Inc. number one, which sounds like it might actually be interesting. Pretty sure I just read Moon Knight number three last week. No way. Was that a reprint then? Okay. It must be a reprint. I guarantee you I read Moon Knight number three last week. Because I only just read number one, but I'm often behind. Okay. Well, you know what? This is like a running gag now with us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to start paying more attention. (laughs) <laughs> on the image side, we've got Field number 204 and Shutter number 2. And then from the others, we've got Mars Attacks Firstborn number 104 from IDW, which sounds like it might be fun. And Weird Love number 1 from IDW. I had to put this in because, and I quote, Weird Love presents the most sexy, bizarro, tw- sick, twisted, politically incorrect, kinky romance comics of the 50s and beyond. we got to read it now. <laughs> Is it an anthology or is it new I stuff in an old school no style? No idea. No idea. <laughs> I just thought it was hysterical and I thought, okay. Sold. Got to check this out now. <laughs> With that, we're going to call it a wrap. Make sure to check out the show notes at Comic Book Informer and you can reach us on Twitter at CB Informer. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, and make sure to check out. <laughs> I'll take By out the, the pause. <laughs> Popcorn Ronin latest episode came out, and that was our part one of X-Men, talking about all of the X-Men movies, including the two Wolverine movies, which have come out so far. And then the next episode of Popcorn Ronin will be on Days of Future Past. So make sure to check that out and let us know what you think. Yeah.